0: in Genesis 4 this morning, and I tell you, we're going to cover the second half half of the chapter, but we kind of have to go back and start at the beginning for us to understand what's going on. So Genesis 4, 1. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of the time, uh, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain became very angry, and his face was downcast. Now the Lord, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and are driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive his brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land. And I will be hidden from your presence. I will be restless wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills, uh, kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain that, so that no one would be, who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son, Enoch. Now, we covered a lot of what's going on here last week. I mean, you can go back and you can... (laughs) Yeah, there's so many different things that we kind of hit upon you know, Cain's anger when it said his anger, I mean, this just isn't, oh, I'm upset. This is like ferocious anger. If you go back to the Hebrew and, and look at it, it's talking about that. And, and just manipulation of his one brother to another brother. And, and, and you know, and, and then also the, the whole idea of Cain going, well, this is too much for me to bear. He's not upset that he killed his brother. He's upset that, uh, about the punishment and that he got caught. We covered all that last week, uh, and if you want a copy of that, just let me know, and I'll, I'll definitely get it to you. But but now, now we see the fact that Cain has decided to build a city and settle down. To me, this is really the ultimate defiant attitude toward God. God said he was going to be a vagabond. God said he was going to be a, a restless wanderer. And what did Cain do? Well, <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, just like, it, you know, right now, my... My uh, youngest uh, favorite word is no. He thinks he can control everything by saying no and stop. And he will literally go, stop, and put his hand in your face. He'll even shove his hand into, like, uh, he, will, he will say something and I'll say something back, and he'll just go like this, stop, and just shove his hand in my face, okay? And this is what Cain is doing to God. He's saying, stop, I'm not going to settle down. And he really hasn't learned anything from his punishment of sin. God was trying to punish him to get him to repent. He never repented. He is the first defiant person toward God that we see in the Bible, and many others followed after that, and, and it's pretty sad. People who think they're masters of their own fate, who, uh, you know, direct in-your-face rebellion of God, you know, the Bible says that straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. But people's reaction is, well, (laughs) gate, I can go make my own gate. I can go ahead and I'll do it my own way. Forgetting that one day God's going to open those scrolls up. And if the name is not in the book of life, you will have to answer for your sins. And this is what's happening with Cain. I mean, this is Cain. It says in verse 17 here, Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. Now, the, the name Enoch means dedicated or initiated or instructed, and the question, the question is, what is he instructed in? I believe he's instructed in the selfishness of his father Cain. Here we're talking about, you know, Father's Day, and it's ironic that we're doing this sermon and the Lord puts those things together because, you know, normally I don't do like themed sermons, I, just not my style and so forth. But it's kind of funny that the Lord put this in here on this particular uh, Sunday. Here we see the apple doesn't fall from the tree, as they say. He named the city after his son. His son, uh, I don't think, will have an ego problem at all. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be, you know, it's like um, Brandon had a kid in his class that, that's now moved uh, to another area. But uh, his, his name is King. Now, would you have an ego problem if your name is King? I don't think so, always being called king. So I guess he's out there looking for his queen, you know, so I don't know. But why would you, uh, yeah, anyway, why would you name your kid something like, you know, but the same thing, they're naming the city before the kid is born after the son. I mean, wow. I mean, (laughs) it's like, you know, Cain wanted the city to be in his way of thinking, his way of attitude toward God. Uh, Augustine wrote a book called The City of God. And this is really the opposite of that, a city built by man for man, really a secular city, populated with secular people, those who didn't want a ruler in their life, those who don't want to, uh, don't want to have anybody over them, they, they want to be the master of their own fate, a whole city that's ungodly, really a secular family, and it started with this secular family. Now, it's interesting that uh, we see this in our society today. We see the, the breakdown of the family. In fact, there was one article uh, this past week saying how the, uh, the demise of Father's Day, because of the breakups of the family and so forth, that Father's Day just doesn't have that, that, uh, the emphasis that it used to and all that. A- and this is where the godly men in the church need to step up. A- and one, we need to step up and be godly men. But secondly, we need to step up and help those who maybe doesn't have a godly man around the house. Not to replace any father, not to replace anything like that, but to be there to work with them, to help them along the path. This is where godly grandparents need to step up. You know, uh, I I couldn't I didn't mention this to them, and I should have said uh, mentioned to it. So I apologize if if uh, they didn't want me to talk about this. But Tanya and Rob just got custody of of their grandchild. This is is grandparents stepping up saying we will take care of the child if if, you know if my child and 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 uh, you know the the mother can't do this we will do this we need as a church family to step up in these situations to pray for them to you know uh, to help them uh, uh, with all those different avenues Uh, you know for uh, for tab and ranya tab and ranya there you go rob and tanya we need to pray for rest because all of a sudden they now have a you know two and a half or two-year-old at or uh, how old is he two and a half two and a half year old at home that doesn't want to sleep through the night you know what i'm saying the other night my my son didn't want to sleep and lisa went and got him put him in our bed and at two o'clock in the morning he's going green ipad because we have a green cover on the ipad green ipad little einsteins and i'm like go to sleep you know So we need to pray for rest, but we also need to pray that they have a godly influence on that little one as he grows up, as the Lord has plans for him. Because we live in a secular society with secular families. Now, don't confuse Enoch with Enosh. Uh, 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 Enoch is an ungodly person. Enosh was a descendant of Seth that we're going to get into next week, but uh, Enosh was a very godly man who walked with God. A man that the Scripture says that God took him. In other words, He raptured him before the flood. And like I said, we'll talk about him next week. But don't confuse him with Enoch, which you know is the complete opposite. Who is very self-willed. In fact, you can see it in the way he named his sons or his son here. The Bible. Uh, You know, during biblical times, the the names were very important. They suggested things about personality and who they were and so forth. And they can tell us about people. And we can see that Cain had an impact on his son's life. Verse 18, it says, To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujel. And Mahujel was the father of Methushiel. And Methushiel was the father of Lamech. Now the name Irad literally literally means urban urban dweller, or city citizen. You know something like that. You know this is a this is like a revelation as, as God is pouring His wrath out on the wicked. You know uh, God uses this term city dweller, or urban citizen, or something like that. Ten or eleven times in the book of of Revelations at the very end, and every time He uses it, He's talking about wicked people who refuse to repent and give their lives to God. God calls them earth dwellers. Those who made their home on earth. And we as we as believers we understand that this is not our home. We call Telaria our home, we call the United States our home, but re- reality is it's not really our home. We're just passing through. But for those who don't know God, this is all the life that they have. This is it. They don't want a city of God. They want a secular city where they can have fun, you know, you know, the world's version of fun. And we see this coming to pass today. And we need to be careful to understand. We are to be the light in the darkness of the city. We don't run from the cities. We don't run from, from all this stuff and say, well, I can't ever be a part. I can't ever, you know, we see this, and this is hard, you know, with homeschool versus not homeschool. That, that's between you and the Lord. There are some kids that we need to homeschool, okay? There are some families that need to homeschool. There are some other families who, uh, who need to be in the schools because we need to in, uh, be influenced. We, we need to be that light. We need to be the salt to the other kids. So I'm not going to say, oh, it has to be this way or it has to be that way because we need to be that light and salt. Because if we run away, what happens? It just all goes down. Now, we know in the end, it will all go down, right? It will all get worse. But until that time, what are we to do? Our job. We're jo- our job is to be the salt and the light to these cities that are bad. You know, we're not looking to abandon the earthly kingdom. We're looking to build God's kingdom while we're here. Because we get to look forward to something else. As Hebrews 11.10 puts it. For... For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We have a dual citizenship right now. Citizens of earth and citizens of a godly kingdom. Citizens of that relationship that we have with God. We know where we're going. Our first priority is that heavenly kingdom. And Paul says in Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await the Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. We need to pray for where we live because our town needs a lot of prayer, doesn't it? You know, we think we're, we're you know, Tulare unusual and all these issues going on. You know, most towns deal with certain things depending on leadership and stuff, but our town needs some prayer But also, we need to pray knowing that our our citizenship really is in heaven. And that's where our our thoughts and our our actions need to lie there. (coughs) So, Cain and the boys lived in the city. And it says to Enoch in verse 18, was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujel. Now, some scholars believe his name means wipe out the name of God. So, you can understand not saying I agree, but you can understand Cain's, you know, idea here. He killed Abel, God kicked him out, so therefore he's mad at God, right? He's not mad at his own actions, he's not mad at what he did, he's not asking for forgiveness, he just stays mad at God, and we often do this, unfortunately, and some people do this. But I think this also reflects on our society as well. Atheism is on the rise. God is being pushed out, People don't want God looking over their shoulder at all. People don't like guilt. How many of you like guilt? No hands are up? Why not? None of us like guilt. And the world with a God is guilty. I guarantee you my boys don't like me looking over the shoulder. I've been having conversations with Brandon about following instructions. And really listening and following exactly what I say. Now it doesn't matter Uh, The other day, I told him to go get uh, one of the monitors that we have. You know, we have two monitors uh, that that we can hear uh, Grayson's room with. So we put them down for a nap or at nighttime. Lisa has one on her side of the bed, and I have one on my side of the bed. Well, hers gets a little more interference, and it bugs me, okay? So I gave it to her, and I have the one that doesn't bug me. But I told Brandon to go grab the monitor on my side of the bed because it was nap time for Grayson. And Brandon goes in the room, and he grabs the first monitor he sees, you know, the little receiver, and brings it back out to me and hands it to me. I said, no, wait a second. You didn't follow my instructions. Now, does it really matter which monitor I get? Answer no. Okay, I want to know you're with me here. Answer no. Okay, there you go. Okay, so it doesn't really matter which monitor I get, but what matters is, is he following instructions because if he can follow instructions on the little things, then when it comes to the big things follow the instructions right it's about trust it's about learning that kind of stuff and we don't like people looking over our shoulders because it's a foundation for later i mean he gets really irritated when i check on something to see if he does it right or wrong well guess what i'm going to be doing that until you're an adult and they'll probably continue to do that but still you know it's just the way it is we're like this with the holy spirit we do not like god checking us We do not like to feel that internal guilt. We like to push that guilt away. Now, Brandon's seven years old, right? He would love to do away with me looking over his shoulder, right? As every seven-year-old would. Would that be good for him? No. He needs my guidance. But this is what we do to God. This is what we do to the Holy Spirit. We push God away. But we need God's guidance. And that is what Cain's doing with his children. He's pushing God away. And it goes on here and says, Mahujel was the father of... uh, Yeah, you say the names. And he was the father of Lamech, okay? So you have generations here. (coughs) And and Methushel means they are dead who are of God. And you're not talking about literally, but figuratively here. It's the same way as our society. How does our society teach... uh, I mean... uh, uh, how does our society um, treat us as Christians? <laughs> yeah, they ignore us. Or they think we're kind of Lulu. They think we're crazy or out there or just whatever. Like we don't really matter. Like we're you know irrelevant. We're dead to society. We have no voice. That's you know they're kind of like nothing intelligent. You don't have anything intelligent to add here. And that is exactly what this guy's name means. They are dead who are of God. And we can see how, how you start out with one rebel. One person who goes against God and it produces many others. They have a f- huge effect on future generations. And Methuselah was the father of Lamech. Now Lamech means a couple of th- different things. One, it means poor. And I don't, mean it, I don't think it means poor financially I think it means morally bankrupt type poor, okay? And uh, the other one means conqueror, like almost like a hothead, okay? Not like a warrior, but more like a hothead, like, like somebody, you're not going to go up against me because I'm going to win, you know, the kind of that that's going to react all the time and defying God from, from the very beginning. We see this. This is kind of the mindset that he has, and it says Lamech married two women, and we see the beginning of bigamy, later turns to polygamy here. But today we see it's turned into all sorts of things of legalized gay marriage and defying the will of God from the beginning of what God's Word says. And we can talk about feelings all we want. You know, I have friends of of that persuasion and stuff, and it's all based on feelings of the church. Well, we feel the church really accept them. You know, I feel that way too, but that goes against the Word of God. So we have to stay with the Word of God. We can't stay with our feelings. And we've talked about this, so we're not going to go into it at length. But, we, you know, but men are to, to leave their father and mother and become married to one wife. That was God's design. But as we rebel, we face more consequences. So these are the descendants of an ungodly Enoch. Contrasted with chapter 5 that we'll go into next week with, with godly Enosh. But before we, we move on, I want to bring this kind of into modern terms of today's world to show you the difference between the upbringing of children. In the state of New York, they did this study between two families in the 1800s, okay? They noticed something, they went back, and they did a lot of research on it. And one was the family of Max Jukes. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, uh, the study of the Max Jukes and his family. And the other one was, was the family of Jonathan Edwards, the Puritan Pastor or preacher, okay, and they found that uh, that likes beget likes, and you, in a sense, you sow what you reap. Uh, Max Jukes was an ungodly man, and he married an ungodly woman. They did not believe in the Lord, and here are the results of his five generations of of family. They had a thousand and twenty six descendants. Three hundred of them were sent to prison for an average of thirteen years each. Seven were convicted of murder. 190 were public prostitutes. 680 of them were, were admitted alcoholics, bums, and petty thieves. They cost the state of New York, at that time, $1.5 million over their lifetimes, made no contribution to society of any major or minor benefit, and 400 of them lived such hard lives that they died in early adulthood. Now, that's a great generations of family, right? Now, I'm sure there was some good that came, you know, here and there there was some good people within that, but I'm just saying, in general, this was the descendants here. Edwards, who lived at the same time, married a godly woman of like character. They went to church and and they served the Lord. They had 929 descendants. 300 of them became clergymen, missionaries, or theological professors. 100 of them become college professors, 60 of them become physicians, 60 of them become authors. One was U.S. vice president. We had three U.S. senators, two congressmen, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, and 30 judges. The difference between upbringing, the difference between attitude of raising your children, and they didn't cost the state any money, and they contributed to society greatly, immensely. This reminds me of the Proverbs, uh, Proverbs two six: Start children off in the way they should go and even when they are old they will not turn from it. And that is our job as fathers, to start the children off in the way that they should go. There's a lot to be said about diligently training your children in the ways of God. Several times Brandon's taekwondo instructor has said, what a good child Brandon is. Okay, he's from Korea, different to uh, different way of uh, upbringing, different way of doing things. And, but he's not talking about his taekwondo moves. He's talking about his character. Now, at school this year, Brandon received the, award for the school, whole school award for, for fairness. And he had a special lunch with his, with his principal and teacher, and we were invited up, and it was really cool. But in the after-school program, he also received the, uh, the award for trustworthy and good citizens during the year. You know, God gave him a great personality, and our job is to train him to take the great things about his personality and mold that in the direction of God and mold that into great things. You know, get the best out of him of what God gave him. Now, at the same time, my child is not perfect, okay? I have to discipline him when necessary, we got to weed out the negative. I got to, I got to go and go. Okay, well, that part of your personality, Brandon, we, we need to work on that. You know, you don't. The other night, he, Brandon, it seemed like you brushed your teeth really fast. Did you brush your teeth? Oh yeah. Brandon, did you brush your teeth? No. Okay, now go brush your teeth extra long, <laughs> and then come back here, and we're going to talk about your lying you know so i mean still got to work you got to weed out those negatives but we should make every effort to raise our children in a godly way so they can be fed so they can be taught so they can grow in the lord and that is our job and we don't we shouldn't lay down on that job we should be diligent about that and it can be tough there are times when i do not want to discipline my child when i need to there are times when, when I want to praise him instead of discipline him, but I also know that if I don't deal with this now, later on it becomes a bigger issue, right? It does. We got to lay a good foundation. Verse 19, it goes on and says, Lamech married two women, one named Adah and the other Zillah. Now, his choice of wives really reflect what he wanted out of life. Adah means pleasure or ornament or beauty. So he had a beauty queen next to him. And zilla means shady or seductress. And everything was based on this outward appearance, apparently, of beauty and pleasure. And this was a culture that's obsessed with outward beauty. Now, do you think our culture today is obsessed with outward beauty? (laughs) This is the way of the world, I tell you. The Bible strongly denounces this. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, in, in talking to the women... He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate, ha- elaborate hairstyles and, and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, whether it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, some people have taken this out of context, meaning, well, women, you can't even wear jewelry, okay? Okay. You know, your wedding ring, and it's got to be just a gold band, and that's it, okay? Women, you can't wear, you know, makeup, or you've you got to fix your hair a certain way, and you, you always have to wear a dress, and you always had, And, and uh, you know, I think taking it way out of context here, because what was going on is women were literally weaving gold through their hair, you know, as they braided, and all these different things, but it was all based on outward appearance. And, and uh, God made women beautiful. God made men, you know, I'm strapping... Young man up here, you know, but anyway, but I'm saying God made us to look I mean it, beauty is not bad, but beauty for beauty's sake, our beauty is in i'm this is what I'm worth is what I see in the mirror that can be bad, it can be very negative because God's saying our self worth comes from inside of us, not the outside of us. I mean, unfortunately, we all grow old, right? I was laughing at somebody earlier that, uh, you know, when I was, uh, you know, 18 and stuff, man, I was skinny. I was, I was like 120 pounds, I tell you. And I looked at my dad and I said, I'm never going to wear clothes that big. Hmm, yeah. You know, we grow old. We slow down sometimes. Things happen, but we need to, what's inside is what is the most important. Don't make beauty your priority. Inner beauty. I love the phrase, unfading beauty. It's, fun to, it's funny, I mean, uh, you know, as we pray for Bob and, and, and Joyce and, you know, Bob's uh, you know taking out the gallbladder and stuff, I bet you if you took a picture of Joyce when she was really young, we'd all be like, wow, man, she was beautiful. You know what I'm saying? You look at, at pictures of, uh, of older women and you see them when they're young, you're just like, wow, I mean, they were, you know, we get a little older, unfortunately. Men, the same way. We get a little bigger, you know, a little rounder, a little, you know, those things. So the beauty is inside. Inside. Verse 20, it says, "Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was a father of those who lived in tents and raised livestock. His brother was named Jubal. He was the father of all who played string instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Cain, who forged all sorts of tools out of bronze and Cain's sister was Nama now there, there'll be some that would look at you know Cain's life and say nothing good came out of Cain. Cain was bad and therefore everything else that came out of Cain after it was, was, was just as bad on a spiritual level I can understand that but the reality is many good things can come from those who don't know the Lord. we see this in society we see companies that, that definitely go against the things of God that give millions of dollars to certain, uh, you know, certain societal things that benefit society and so forth. And, and we see God use ungodly things for his purposes here. You know, Ada was the father of those who lived in tents here and, and moved with livestock. Now, out of that, Abraham. He learned how to uh, take care of livestock and all that. And we see great things that come from him. Jubal was the father of all who loved music. Well, we look in the Bible, who loved music more than anybody? David, I mean, he loved, I mean, he, the, the worship that he brought forth to the Lord. We still sing those songs today, you know. Tubal came, became, you know, he loved metalwork, and, and so we need to be, be careful to, to not be blind to those of, that are helping others who may not know the Lord. But what better way to show them that they can have a greater impact when they truly know the Lord and use their abilities that they have now for him. Cain's descendants made contributions to society. We can make good choices and we can make bad choices, but God has given us ability to do great things. What's interesting is they're all descendants of Adam. I wonder if is Adam lived his 900 years and had all these different kids growing up and all this kind of stuff. You know, did, did he go through a phase where he's like, oh, well... I, I'm tired of disciplining, you take care of the kids, or, or you know, not doing, and, and here comes Enoch, you know, and then Adam has another son and goes, oh no, I need to really, really be diligent on raising him. I don't know, I, you know, but I do know that Adam had multiple kids, but it doesn't matter what you do, we still need to do our best. You know, the great thing, I mean, take smallpox, for example. God gave us something to uh, you know, gave us the ability to eradicate it. We've pretty much eradicated small park, uh, smallpox. Smallpox—it was a scourge on society, you know. But what did we turn around and do with it? We took smallpox into a lab and made it into a weapon. You know, United States did that. Russia did that. Many other countries do that. So something that God gives us the ability to take care of, we can turn it into a weapon. Uh, nuclear energy can be can be really good. It can be really bad. It's splitting the atom. And what do we do? We made it into nuclear bombs you know, but we also had the power to make medicine from it. You see what I'm saying? One bomb could wipe out more people than nuclear med- medicine could save in 100 years. So how do you weigh those things, you know? Yes, the bomb did save a lot of lives in World War too. because if we would have had to, to fight that war island by island anymore, it would have killed, I mean, a lot of people if, if we had to invade. But my point is that unredeemed man can give an ounce on one hand and take a pound on the other you know what i'm saying some good but a lot of bad the fallen nature gets us or gets the best of us and it really hurts other people one thing i want to point out before i move on is the idea that man started out primitive not knowing how to use tools living in cave living in caves it's kind of debunked right here the science books are wrong. You know, the, the pictures of cavemen throughout society, you know, throughout time and so forth, they're just artist rendering. You know, they'll find a tooth in some cave and they'll make some hunched over, you know, animal man come out of it and stuff. And then later on they'll do DNA and come to find out it's a pig's tooth or something like that, you know. Uh, it's happened over and over, but they'll make an, you know, rendition of man at that point. But science has not been upfront on what they've found. Evolution has turned into a religion, not a scientific endeavor. It's naturalism. It's a theology now. And we don't worship naturalism. We worship the God of the universe. Watch the programs, and, and they'll have unbelievable you know, graphics at point, And you can see how the caveman has evolved and, and changed. And, and it looks so natural with our you know, new CGI stuff, all the computer graphics and all that. But the world doesn't want God, so they try to explain it another way archaeology has shown that ancient man was very intelligent and very advanced the anti-voluvians okay a voluvian is is what they call the people who lived before the great flood okay the anti-voluvians they were making iron and bronze and all those things before the flood israel didn't learn how to do that after the flood until 900 bc these were incredibly brilliant people we need to remember that Adam and Eve were made perfect. They were just a little lower than angels. They were made perfect. And they, you know, and he lived over 900 years. So imagine the knowledge that he has. I mean, you know, we look at some of the older men that, that you know, and you're going, "Wow, there's a wealth of knowledge in that brain." You know what they could teach. He lived 900 years. Now the flood changed everything. Most of the knowledge they had was lost, you know, during the flood. Imagine the heartbreak of God. All this knowledge did them no good, and they turned away from God. The knowledge that was lost is unbelievable. And some people will say, well, how how is this possible? Well, let's say that today we had a catastrophe. Everybody had to flee. Life was so different where we would end up. In that place, you didn't have electricity or anything like that. Now, explain to the next generation, okay, imagine my son doing this explaining to his kids what an iphone was oh we had this little you could take pictures you could send it over the airwaves to another phone and they could receive it i mean you could play all these games yet they don't have electricity and the kids are like you know his kids would be like well can you make me one or the great-grandkids hey papa can you make me one well i wish i could but i don't have that knowledge so, you see how all the knowledge could be lost there. So, during the flood, that's exactly what happened. All that knowledge was lost. Man had to really begin again. No and his family preserved some of it, but much of it was lost. And, and uh, going back to <coughs> Lamech here, and this is a song that Lamech did, and he's very proud of it in verse 23. It said, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech. And I would sing like Joshua, but my voice doesn't work that way. Um, and he says, hear my words. I have killed a man for, uh, for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain was avenged seven times, Lamech seventy times, or uh, uh, seventy-seven times. Now it doesn't show any justification for what he did. He kind of glorifies what he does here. And, and this is you know, this time is not far from when the flood actually happens, and, and God's going to get fed up with this type of attitude. But, you know, I equate it to our time. I'm not sure how long the Lord's going to hold off. You know, it seems like society's getting worse and worse. We don't, again, I, I'll go back to what I always say we don't know if the Lord's going to return in 30 days, three years, 300 years, 30 years. We don't know. We just know it's getting worse and worse toward that time. But, we're not getting any better. Lamech says, he hurt me, so I killed him. He hurt me, so I killed him. Last night at some all-night art festival somewhere in the United States, two men got in a fight. It ended up being a gunfight, and a thousand people were running for their lives. Well, he hurt me, so I killed him. One man is dead out of it. Cain killed unprovoked, but me, this is Lamech, you know, in the song, this was extrapolating out this, Cain killed unprovoked but me he hurt me so I'm justified I was provoked if God can, can avenge Cain seven times if anyone touches him well I'm so justified it would be 77 times you see the attitude behind it here's the point civilizations left to themselves don't evolve okay not evolution we devolve we get worse and worse we find new ways to hurt people we are a victimized society we don't we don't kill each other so much it seems like we seem to be doing more of that but we don't do that too much but we take each other to court a lot don't we i mean there's lawsuits right and left about anything and everything now some do kill but but as a whole we sue we hurt somebody financially one way to, for us to get even with somebody and to ruin them. And it's the spirit of revenge. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about it like this. The spirit of disobedience in the world. First he talks about the God of this, the God of this world, in other words, Satan. And then he talks about the spirit of disobedience. And you think he's talking about Satan still. But he's not. Because the Greek, it was two separate things. The God of this world has sown into, into our culture demonic spirits that bring out certain attitudes now demons can't do anything they want to do but as culture gets worse we open the door to them and it changes our attitude and our culture and it changes it toward satan as the beginning of this chapter it says sin is i mean (coughs) that it's like crouching at the door you remember that i read that a little earlier you know, it's crouching at the door. And that's what the de- the demons are. I mean, the attitudes, it's all crouching at the door. And we just open the door for it in our society. We just say, come on in. If culture, you know, if culture starts thinking a certain way, people start living that way. We see this since really this, the 60s. I mean, really, the you go back to the 40s. I mean, the spirit of patriotism took over the country after world war ii but that began to change in the 60s you had all this rebellion flaunting of sin in society you know and, and talking about how dumb and conservative the older generation was you know freeze sex drugs and and you know throw off all moral constraint now was a whole country like that no no, you had a lot of people scratching their heads going, what's going on out there in San Francisco? What's going on in this town? You know, it was kind of the larger towns where this stuff was, was happening and all that, but it was shown over and over and over on the news. I mean, we've all seen pictures of Woodstock, haven't we? Anybody not seen a picture of Woodstock? You see what I'm saying? It's just, it's there. It's everywhere. It's a terrible path. Make love, not war was the idea. But now we have this ultra violence. Don't just protest; we have to destroy the city as we protest. You know, uh, you know, anger. Don't just get upset or girl rejected. You you got to grab a gun and take it to school and show them why they shouldn't reject you. That's the attitude of the world. It's the ultimate act of evil, and our culture has gone down this path away from God. And the further we move away from God, the more and more we're going to see these things in our society the more and more we're going to see it. All you have to do, you know, is what we talked about last week with, you know, God talked to Cain, resists the devil, he's crouching at the door, and we have to fight. We have to resist the devil, and we can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. But before we even get to the fighting point, if we live our lives in the way of God, we learn to automatically resist it. If we learn the foundations, You know, on my anniversary this year, I'll be married 25 years. Over the years, I know, I don't look that old, I understand. But over the years, I've trained myself to look away. You know what I'm saying? As a man, I look away. There are others out there who are almost as beautiful as my wife is. Get a point. Okay, maybe not. But I decided a long time ago, I was going to be married to one woman woman therefore I had to do my part and one of those things is not looking around now we can do this in all different areas of our life allow God to train us in ways that when temptation enters the door we don't even look at it we don't even give it the time of day it doesn't matter that it's even there and we can do this in so many areas of our life if we allow God to train us and this is what Cain did not allow God to do and it affected his life and it affected the generations that came after him what's interesting is, is uh, you know, for Cain all the way to Lamech you never hear of them again in the Bible for all the boasting, for all the, the city have you heard of the city of Enoch at all? no, it's, 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 it's gone Psalm 37 says this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like a noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will will inherit the land a little later uh, a little while and the wicked will be no more though you look for uh, the though you look for them they will not be found but in the meek or but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity and the last day evil is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it will overtake many people but we need to resist we need you know because the meek are going to what inherit the peace we need to be patient we have to be patient let's finish up Genesis here Genesis 4 it says Adam made love to his wife again she gave birth to a son and named him Seth saying God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him Seth also had a son and his name was Enosh at the time uh, people began to call at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord and this is where we're going to pick up next week, but I want to say that you've got to remember the Lord is having us follow the children of Adam and certain children because it leads us to what? The Redeemer, Christ, the one who is going to crush the head of Satan. Okay? Many people are on the earth at this point, and Seth is the beginning of the fulfillment of the bloodline of Christ. It says here, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord, and we're going to see this phrase. You see this phrase, uh, you know, all over Moses' writing as he wrote the uh, the beginnings of the Bible and stuff. And this be- begins. At, I mean, this means that they began to preach and proclaim the nature of God and His character. So, in a sense, in, in the days of Enoch, we saw a revival in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of of all the evilness that's going on in the world, in the middle of everybody going away from God, we start to see a revival. And the Lord sends His people to proclaim Himself. And it's an awesome thing. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. So why don't you stand and we'll we'll pray and Joshua and the worship team will lead us out. Today we... We pray that we're people worthy of calling on your name. We pray that we're not like Enoch, that we don't go the way of the world. There are so many things here that are are ready to, to attack us. And if we just ignore the evilness out there, that we turn our heads, turn our ways, that we teach our children the ways of your ways, the ways of God, that it will have a great impact on this world. I pray that we do that until your time comes, Lord, until you return, that we do our part in raising our children, we do our part in, in how we treat you and how we turn from the evil of this world. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you and may His Spirit guide you away from the evilness, away from the things that are not of God. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.